Today I'm going to be talking about building your spell list, put your money where your mouth is DMing, and session zero. This is Dungeon Man Dragon Master. Dip it down. It's the Dragon Master. Welcome back to Zach Talks About Complicated Stuff. Uh, I've talked about spells before. That was more or less how to use them at the right times, but there's another section of spells that is a little bit complicated, and that's actually picking them. Uh, you get them every level, and, well, wizards more than that, but how do you pick the right ones? What is the deal with that? Now, mind you, this entire conversation is a little bit bigger of a deal if your spells aren't, like, prepared spells, because some classes get to know every spell, and they just prepare them at the end of a long rest, so they can change their spell list every day. That's your cleric, paladin, uh, druid, and wizards to some extent. You still have to, like, pick your spells when you get to the next level, uh, but you can find new ones and you can change them throughout the throughout your long rests. But aside from them, how do we build a spell list that we're going to be comfortable with using throughout the entire game? Uh, the big question is this. Do you want to specialize or do you want to balance? Like, what do you actually want to do with your spells. And the question starts, what can you do without your spells? If a lot of your features and your skill setups are really good for social interactions, maybe you don't need as many social spells. If all of your other stuff is about combat, like let's, for example, an Eldritch Knight or a Paladin, even though they don't really care about this conversation as much. If they're more focused on combat, do you need the spells for combat, or can they help outside of combat? That would be balancing. And specializing, of course, would be, what do your other features do? Now make your spells do that ten times harder. Generally, I like to put spells into three categories. Combat, social, and utility. You could pick two if you wanted versatility, but you mainly want to stick with one, just to make sure that whatever you're trying to do uh, is really good. And that's the difference between specializing and balancing. So let's go through those sections, actually, and just talk about what those are going to be. So combat, right? You mainly want your spells to maximize your damage output. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean that all of your spells deal damage, but that they maximize your output of damage. Um, these can have self-buffing spells, whether they be concentration spells or otherwise. It's kind of smart to always have a concentration spell up, assuming you can hold your concentration, but there are other ways of having lasting spells that don't do that. Mainly the things you might want to look for if you're like a ranger, hunter's mark is a good one, uh, paladins have access to their smites that just makes their attacks deal more. Another one that I like a lot actually is dragon's breath it allows you to make a breath attack as a bonus action until the spell ends if you're looking to deal a lot of damage and you don't have uses for your bonus actions all the time that's a great one i think um, and of course the other option is those big blasting spells we're talking magic missile fireball scorching ray you just want to get that stuff that hits really hard so that when you're in combat you can hit really hard so there's your combat options. There's there's what you're looking for if you're trying to make your spell list do more combat type things. The other way is social. That's the other category I like to use. Um, and there's two ways to take this. You can go kind of straightforward with spells that would like impress your allies. Very obvious answer would be like prestidigitation. Everybody should have prestidigitation. Or you could do a more straightforward approach is to scare the baddies, like a fear spell or ways to give those sort of social debuffs. Uh, that's always good options, especially if you really need that help socially. The other way to take it is to be a little more deceptive. Uh, you could do some sort of mind reading, like detect thoughts, charming, such as charm person, charge monster, etc., etc., uh, or controlling, like the command spell. All these things give you just like a little bit of a boost socially, and from there, you can mix that with the rest of your stuff. So, for example, if you have low social roles 
and you're trying to use your spell list to fix that so that, you know, you, you can take care of everything else on your own, but just socially you need some help. Well, maybe have a couple of spells that you can impress your allies with. Create or destroy water so that you can get them a drink. Press the digitation is a great option. You can flavor things differently, give them a nice something to drink or eat or or things like that. Maybe dancing lights, uh, just put on a little bit of a show, right? It's, it's just those little things that can give you maybe some advantage on a, on a role that your DM's going to be generous about. Or let's say you're really good with your social encounters and you want to be a social god so that once you end up talking to that archdevil, well, you can kind of just have your way with it and do whatever you want. If that's the case, then all those same things apply. You might want to be a little more deceptive in those, um, but you can use all this stuff for like espionage if you want to get information. All that stuff is really, really good to use uh, when you get into those social situations. And now for the third category, I like to call it utility. I think most people probably do. There are a lot of definitions of utility. Utility is essentially just anything that isn't the above. And to be totally honest with you, I take that three different ways. Um, and let's go into those. Uh, the first way is mobility. If you are worried about getting from point A to point B safely, uh, you might want to pick up some mobility spells. Fly is a good option. Expeditious retreat is an early option. Jump is another early option. You want to get up a big wall, cast jump, cast fly. Uh, if you're worried about getting away from somebody, expeditious retreat is fantastic. All of that stuff, all those mobility spells just give you that little bit extra. And again, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're already really good at getting around, adding those means that you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. If you're not good at getting around, that helps you balance. Again, it's a very simple concept of, of specializing and balancing, but you get to choose the way you want to do it. Another utility use I would like to put out there is information gathering. We're talking scrying, arcane eye, identify, detect magic. It's just knowing what you're getting into before you get into it. Now, I have a buddy who gets very upset about information gathering in-game because he just wants to go do stuff, and watching somebody do information gathering stuff is very boring for him. Kind of check with your table if you want to get really into like the information gathering stuff. But if you are cool with it, that's a great thing to have. You'll know how many baddies are in the room before you get there. You'll know exactly what those magic items are when they show up. You'll know exactly where all the magic stuff is. Like, it, it's, it's great to just have that information so you're not guessing or worried about missing things. I have another buddy who just hates missing things. Great thing to have. And of course, the other utility one, a little more combat focused, I would say, but it's still more utility than combat, buffing and debuffing. I'm talking about stuff like Bless and Bane uh, to help your allies or hurt your enemies without actually dealing damage to them. And spells like Haste uh, are great just to make sure that you or somebody else around you is a little bit better off than they could have been. It's more about about making sure that all the other things work. That's what utility really is in my head, is just making sure that all the other stuff works. So at the end of the day, when it comes to building your spell list, just take a breath. It's totally fine. If you're really worried about building a spell list, make a cleric, make a druid, make a paladin. You'll stick with those. You'll redo your spells every morning to, okay, I didn't use this one. I haven't been using these very much. This worked better. Uh, and if you don't want to play one of those and you're really worried about building your spell list, just take a breath. Focus on the thing that you want to do 
and find the spells that match that. I don't know how common of a process this is, but it's one of the things that I like to do to help the immersion of my players. Uh, and I call it put your money where your mouth is DMing. Basically, I'm giving the things that they say in-game mechanical outcomes, uh, giving a mechanical outcome to a player description. It kind of allows a player's random sentences to be canon. If they say something, I can give it a mechanic, and now, ta-da, it's real. It gives my players a little bit more of a feeling of control over the game, and surprisingly enough, even though some of it ends up kind of punishing them, they don't really feel like it's punishment because it makes sense. It's something they like. I'll give you a couple examples of, of when I've used that. In one of my games, I think I talked about it before, there was a time when one of my players killed this NPC who looked like a child but was actually like 300-something years old. And so there was a moment at night with the monk and the warlock. The warlock's the one who did it. Then the next morning, they were all talking about stuff, and the fighter said, yeah, man, I, I, I couldn't get any sleep last night. And I said to roll a con save, and he did, and I and he failed it. And I said, "Yep, you're you're gonna take a point of exhaustion." And he said, "Okay." It kind of gets to me that people are like okay with that, but it made sense. I think he said he didn't get any sleep last night. So mechanically speaking, if you don't sleep at night, you take a point of exhaustion. And I gave him the option. I said, "Look, man, do you are, do you want to do this?" And he's like, "No, that makes sense." And and he did it, and it was great. That was one of them. The other one was a little bit sillier. The one campaign I ran, they had found these hallucinogenic flowers, uh, and most of them, I think four out of six of them, had failed the save um, and were officially super hallucinating. My concept throughout them hallucinating, because they were having a great time with it. I mean, they were being super silly. It was a fun session. My concept throughout the entire thing was put your money where your mouth is DMing. If they said a silly thing... You're going to make a roll. You're going to figure it out. Oh, you think that looks like balloons and you're going to grab for one? Roll me decks. Oops, it was a snake and you actually, right? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. But the part that got interesting was when one of my characters, who was not hallucinating, said in dealing with everybody else, uh, F me. She didn't say F. That kind of just happened and then it went away. So a little bit later... Uh, she had said that a lot because, you know, dealing with a bunch of people who were hallucinating. But at one point in time, one of the girls who was hallucinating looked at her and said, hey, back then when you said that, did you mean that? And of course, everyone's laughing because that's a very funny thing to say in that situation. But then I said, hey, uh, make a wisdom save. And she failed it. And I told her, you are now in love with her as long as you are hallucinating. And it was so fu I mean, the, the rest of the encounters that were so funny. Eventually, they weren't hallucinating anymore. It had We had like that awkward moment of, uh, did I? Yep. And I said, yep, one of those. And then a couple nights later, they started talking about it. They put their money where their mouth was, and then it kind of became a thing. Almost. Uh, just after that, the one who was hallucinating died. So it made for a great story. It was just, it's one of those things that as long as you're not trying to punish them for having fun, they like it. They, the, the players will get into allowing a punishment or allowing a debuff or allowing some sort of a flaw or something to be added as long as it was their idea 
and it makes sense. And I think it's a, it, it's my favorite technique ever. I use it in everything I run, my one shots, both of the campaign, like everything that I've done, I, I like doing this. It just lets them have a little more control and it feels more real. So let me kind of walk you through that process because I think any DM would love running this kind of thing. So I'm going to walk you through it. So to incorporate this, you kind of have to be comfortable with checks and saves. If you're still a new DM, I would focus on that first anyway. But once you are, it's pretty easy to make up a role once a player says something that might require a role. Let's say they're walking through the jungle and as they're going, one of them says, I am so afraid of snakes. Remember that next time there's a snake, that one is going to make a wisdom save and they're going to have to either that or be afraid of the snake. Now, mind you, it's probably going to be an easy roll, DC 10 or something, but it gives them a chance to say, nope, I, I built that. I said that. I said that I was afraid of snakes. I, I should be afraid of snakes. So if you're comfortable with those checks and you know what to roll when, then when it comes up, you can just tell them to make that roll. And that's essentially all you do is you take a line that a player says while role playing and use it to determine a role. It's not like they're asking if they want to do something. It's not like they're saying, oh, I want to open this locked door. Oh, I want to persuade this guy to... No, it's things they say about themselves, about each other. Things that don't really matter. In fact, I like to do this kind of thing when the players are talking to each other. If one of them's like lying or something, okay, your deception against their insight, assuming they don't believe you, or you're trying to convince them of something. My favorite one, I had... Uh, a guy playing a pirate who was like very, very egotistical and charismatic and stuff. And he was like telling his story and it, like his, his coming up story. And, oh, this is how I got to where I am now. And then as soon as he was done, I had him roll performance against everyone else's. I think it was like a wisdom save or something like that. And they all passed it. <laughs> it was it was just fun. Did it matter? No. Was anything going to come out of it? No. But it was fun. And they all got to like, oh, yeah, OK, cool. Nice. Later on, there was a similar thing and one of them failed it. And it was like, wow, it's just kind of funny. Another thing I would recommend if you're going to put your money where your mouth is, DM, is to kind of be lenient with the party. You know, the players are more willing to take penalties. That makes sense if you've proven that you're already on their side. If the whole thing, if you're not good at stopping the DM versus player mentality, you might want to squash that first because eventually they're going to think that no matter what they do, you're going to punish them and it might discourage role playing. So definitely you want to make sure that they know you want them to succeed first. As long as that's the case, as long as you're a little bit lenient, maybe every so often the roles that you make are really low. It's like, yeah, okay, you're fine. Don't worry about it. They're going to be like, okay, well, this is a thing that makes sense. It's not my DM trying to hurt me. It's a mechanic of the game. And furthermore, it's a mechanic of the game that I have control over, which feels good. And just remember, it's all about the story. It's not about whether or not you can get someone a debuff or or whether or not you can help somebody out or give them a hint. It's just about making for a good story. It would make sense that the players of the party would roll against each other if a conflict came up. That all is just natural. Not to mention the whole thing allows you to be more in touch with your party in the first place. So give it a shot. Tell them to put their money where their mouth is. So when starting a new campaign, you don't really want to develop a tutorial because everyone kind of already knows what's going on, but every game is a little bit different, so you kind of have to have one. This is what Session Zero is. It's the meet and greet before you actually start playing the game. I think it's pretty important. I think that everybody agrees that it's pretty important. You don't want to just say, hey, new campaign, build a character, see you on Monday. Like, you gotta, you gotta kind of know what's going on before you start. And it's good good to have a session for it so that it's a little more personal and you can go over everything that needs to be gone over before the game starts. The question comes in, 
How do you make a good session as opposed to just getting together, talking for five minutes and then being like, okay, this could have been done via email. That happened to me on my first campaign. That was great. So I think the important thing to remember is that it's not a DM's thing. It's it's for everyone. Everyone should prepare a little bit. And I think let's talk about just like what those things are so that the next time you're going into a session zero, you've got at least something prepared that you can talk about or mention or, or bring up. My first tip would be to treat it like a business meeting. Make an agenda, make a list of what you want or need from the campaign, and then when you get in there, you can make sure those things come up. Just having that list, the DM might be the one who's quote-unquote running the meeting. Doesn't even need to be the case, honestly. But whoever's running the meeting will have their agenda, and you should have your own. And if something doesn't come up, then you get to ask about it later. At the end, hey, uh, I wanted to talk about this. Can we, you know, I wanted to make sure we weren't going to touch on these certain issues. It's kind of a kind of an emotional trigger for me. Just that kind of thing. Just to be able to know up front, okay, here's where we are, and here's what we're planning to do. It's just like if you were going to buy a video game. You're going to read the description of the game first to know what game you're going to play. That's what every session zero is. It's just that you have a little more control, so it can take a little bit longer than just reading an intro. My other tip would be to be open and be social. You know, it's not a lecture. It's not actually a business meeting. Uh, we're all friends. We're getting together to play a game. So have open conversation about what you're looking for, what you're not looking for, what sounds good, what sounds bad, what sounds horrible, what sounds amazing, right? Just If you have those discussions with each other, the, all the players, the DM, with each other, you'll make sure that the rest of your game is good. It really, really helps out the DM to know what the players are looking for because we're guessing a lot of the times. So just having that up front is great. But let's talk about some agenda topics because again, the, the session zero is going over everything, but what is everything? So one of the things that usually comes up at session zero is the DM explaining pre-campaign lore. That's very important. You got to know what world you're walking into. Maybe some political things, maybe some historical things, things that you should note. Oh, there was a giant war between these two kingdoms. Get ready for that to exist. But it's a great time for players to take notes and start immersing, right? You can control your own immersion. If someone's not good at immersing you, then that's a little difficult. But if you know what's going on, the DM's giving you all the information. So that's a great time to take those notes and be like, okay, uh, those two places are at war. Do I want to be from one of those places or not? I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I want to be from a neutral spot over here, but this place has mountains, right? Just knowing that kind of stuff before you get into what the next topic is, which is character creation. There are a couple of ways that campaigns do character creation. It could be either group planning where y'all build them together, or it could be solo planning where you go plan at home and come back. I prefer solo character creation. And furthermore, I prefer solo character creation with no communication to the other players. It makes for a really organic party. I know a lot of you out there are probably going, but what if we don't have a healer or, or a tank? Or, oh, what if it's all like four wizards? Oh, what are we going to do? Who cares? It's going to be an organic party and you'll make it work. I guarantee it. Every single campaign that I've done has been exactly like that. I've never known what anyone else is making. And when I was DMing it, nobody knew what anyone else was making. The games ran just fine. Everybody found their role and it worked out. It's any combination of characters can work. It's just about learning your role in that group. But if you'd rather do character creation together, then session zero is a good place to do that. That takes up a lot of time, so that's making for a full session, right? And then everybody gets to do their planning, 
their tactical stuff, and it's a fun time. Another agenda topic that might come up at session zero would be differences from the core rulebook. You got to remember, I said it when I was talking about homebrew, Wizards has created a system for you to build your own game. So more or less, are you using optional rules uh, from the book? Are you using house rules that you came up on your own? Is there a certain mechanic that you're ignoring, like encumbrance? You know, that kind of stuff. You got to know those things ahead of time so that your players can plan for it. It's something that really needs to come up so you don't get into a situation where you're building a character to be able to hold a lot of stuff all at once and travel for a long time. And then halfway through the game, when it gets to that point, your DM goes, oh, yeah, we're not using encumbrance. Don't worry about it. And now everyone can carry that stuff. And one of the main things you built for for your character is just gone. That's a big thing to bring up. So make sure you know those kinds of things. A little bit more for the DM, but if anybody wants to request something, for example, I hate dealing with encumbrance. Can we not do that? The DM might go, yeah, okay, sure, let's not do that. Deal, right? Eating every day and keeping track of rations, that kind of stuff. Just know that kind of stuff heads up. The other one that's a big one to talk about is the DM's style. Uh, how dependent they are on roles, expectations for like puzzles and things. That's stuff you want to keep track of because if it gets to the point where you're like, okay, well, I'm building a very social character. I'm putting a lot of stats into charisma so that I can have high deception, high intimidation, high persuasion, all that stuff. I want to be really good at it so that when we get into situations we can use them. Well, if it turns out your DM doesn't really depend on roles that much, those are stats that you're just going to lose. So know those things in advance, especially the puzzle expectations. If they are expecting you to solve every puzzle by yourself, you don't really need to have a high intelligence or a high enough intelligence to make investigation checks and persuasion checks and things. That's wisdom, of course. But you don't need to have those because you have to solve the puzzle by yourself. Or if their puzzles are, yeah, if you have the stats for it, then we're going to accept that and you'll get little hints and things then good, there's that too, right? So you just have to be able to know how your DM is going to play. And DMs, be open and honest about it so your players know how to handle what you plan on doing. And the last big one I think is pretty important, and that's limits. Uh, I don't mean limits like, oh, I'm not good at combat, so let's not fight as much. That's not what I mean. Mainly, I just mean things to avoid in-game for the sake of everyone's comfort. One of the biggest ones would be quote-unquote intimacy. Uh, people might be really uncomfortable with that in their game. And if you're uncomfortable in a game that you don't have to play, then you stop playing it, right? So if you're uncomfortable with that kind of thing, maybe a DM doesn't want to talk about it. Maybe a player is uncomfortable talking about that kind of thing, right? Just don't. You don't have to bring those things up. It's mostly in the DM, but the players can also avoid that kind of stuff between each other and with other NPCs. Certain types of horror can also get to people. Maybe if you're against all types of horror, that's a thing. But certain types like, I don't know, jump scares or a lot of like bugs and creepy crawlies, that kind of thing. There are lists out there of things to avoid, like session zero kind of things. It might be good to just look at one of those lists. Just make sure that those kinds of things, if someone has that, can be avoided. And of course, the other one might be individual emotional triggers. If someone's going through a hard time in their life with something specific, might be nice to not have a similar situation in game because D&D is the place you go to avoid that stuff. Uh, so just be open and honest about that stuff on your session zeros. Make sure that all the players, along with the DM, all of the people participating in the game are on the same page with what the others are looking for in game. That should make for a pretty happy game. That should make for a pretty fun time where we can escape and be someone else and go to a strange world and experience great things. So 
Have fun at your session zero. Let's begin play. Thank you so much for listening. If you know anybody who you think might enjoy what I've got to say, send them my way, and I will see you next time on Dungeon Man Dragon Master. That was the Dragon Master. Oh.